Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Eight minutes after one. Good afternoon. My name is Pimelo Motena. I'm going to be with you today only until two o'clock because just um, after two, we're going to be crossing to uh, Parliament where um, Finance Minister Dito Mboweni will be delivering his medium-term budget uh, policy statement. So that's going to happen at two. So at two o'clock, we'll be crossing straight there. Um, so our program today will begin from now and will end at two o'clock. We'll have the news and then straight after that, we'll go straight to the Minister of Finance. Let's kick it off then with Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I don't know if you knew there's so much is happening at the moment. So it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and um, there is an article that was penned by Nombule Loshange who is a lecturer in the Department of Sociology at the University of the Free State that I thought really needs us to, to take a look at the Unfortunately, the big gaps between the haves and the have-nots and how something as breast cancer is so heavily affected by the the problems that we have in this country of, of that gap, the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Nombulelo Shango is joining us now on the line. A very good afternoon, Nombulelo. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being here. Good afternoon, Tinala. Thank you for having me. It was a compelling piece that you put together. Where, you know, where did that idea come from? Um, the piece was penned by Lisejo and myself. Lisejo is a, a colleague from Soplaki University. And it was after she'd seen some of my other written work where she said to me, you know, I think there's a gap that's missing when it comes to breast cancer awareness. And with your discussion and discourse around gender and and, and racial topics that I often write about, um, and my know-how in the cancer space, because that's what her research is on, can we put something together that speaks to both these issues? And so that's how the idea came about. You know... At an intellectual level, one gets it that, you know, there there are these gaps between people who have and those who don't. We talk about mm. it all the time. But when I looked at your piece, I think the, the, the reality startled me somewhat. Did you feel mm. the same way? I mean, when when you start putting it in paper and you start looking at the facts about how one, number one, just accesses health, the mm. difference between living in Johannesburg, for argument's sake, and living in Lissikitsik. Yeah, it was it was a, a very scary realization in our conversations together, myself and Lisejo, Um, just realizing how something as simple because a lot of the information is out there, mm. it's there, but it's in a language that is inaccessible to people, and this is life-saving um, information that just doesn't reach the people that it needs to reach, and 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 also simple things like transport, mm. um, the inability to actually move from your home to wherever the healthcare facility is in order to get the treatment that you need um, because you literally have to decide between uh, is my family going to eat this month, this week, um, or can I go and access uh, my treatment with the money that would have otherwise been for um, um, sort of looking after and taking care of the family. So these are the struggles that a lot of rural women um, have to sort of contend with and you have to sort of pick your battles between um, livelihood and between health. You know, Nombulelo, one of the things that I am startled about also is that when you, for instance, speaks to departments like the Department of Health, for argument's sake, a lot of 
initiatives and programs on paper exist. So mm. there are programs where there's now an outreach where they make sure that they try and take medicines from where they are and they take them into people's homes so that there aren't those queues. There are programs that they'll tell you about where there are, you know, there are mobile clinics and so on. Mm. But, but the reality on the ground is it, it tells a different story. Yeah, it, 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 the reality on the ground is, is very different and, and particularly when it comes to um, the issue of breast cancer. One of the things that even is a hindrance when it comes to receiving treatment is it's not the kind of treatment that you often just administer yourself at home. So mm. you often have to travel somewhere. There might be surgery involved in that process. Um, when it comes to radiation and chemotherapy, those are the kinds of procedures that have to be administered um, by other healthcare professionals. So while some of the strides and initiatives are good and have maybe had an impact when it comes to this particular issue, it's, it's still kind of lacking and there still needs to be more that is done, particularly when it comes to, um, it's understandable that you can't have breast cancer centers everywhere right especially in remote areas such as the northern cape that we make reference to mm. um but things like satellite clinics become very very important as well and unfortunately in the northern cape it's such a big landmass there's only one satellite clinic and one sort of um, mainstream clinic in kimberley um so that that's a huge problem and these satellite clinics can be beneficial in terms of um providing e-health. So once the patient arrives in a satellite clinic, they can be helped by a nurse who can do um, Skype or video calling with the doctors in um, other locations to help diagnose the patient, to help come up with the treatment plan, to help set the way forward. And unfortunately, that's not happening yet. Why is it that, um, again, from a legislative point of view and from lip service, we Mm -hmm. have 11 official languages, but we treat this country like one big English country. (laughs) Why do we do that when actually the majority of people do not speak English? Why doesn't government actually do what it needs to do with regards to getting information disseminated in the language that the people understand? It wouldn't be complicated because we are anyway... Um, by region, uh, language specific. So it's not mm. like you would have to print 11 for the Northern <laughs> Cape, you know, pamphlets, 11 types yeah, of, yeah. of translations for the Northern Cape. You would maybe select only two languages over and above English. And sadly, we have a bus date to thank for that. But yeah, that is the reality. Um, I, I, I speak a little bit on the opinion piece about what I call um, vectors of oppression. Um and it's that whole idea that um, a lot of your oppression will happen in more than just one way. And mm. sometimes you're not even aware in that particular moment, am I being oppressed because I'm a woman? Am I being oppressed because I'm black? Am I being oppressed because I speak a certain language and I don't understand a certain language? I think all of these issues come together. Um, I think we we've become a society that is also so involved and so focused on money. Our entire healthcare system and healthcare structure, for instance, is more about profit rather than healthcare and well-being. And so um, couple that with the vectors of oppression, it creates an impossible situation um, for particularly black women in rural areas, but even for other marginalized groups as well. 
how do we become citizens that that actually in, in, insist that this kind of change happens? What what do we have to do? Oh, <laughs> I think I think we need to start um, having these discussions amongst ourselves. For one, um, I think a lot of us come from these kinds of societies. Mm. We come from townships. We mm. come from rural areas. Mm. So in a way, I have an obligation to make sure that my family, mm-hmm. uh, now that I know this information and I've had access to it, that um, my family is able to engage with it as well in ways that they understand. I think that's one thing that we can do on very personal and interpersonal levels. Um, I think we also, a lot of this is also already being done. We need to start calling for proper systematic changes. We need to really interrogate our government to um, really start thinking about putting us in the center and not profit, not money, um, and really start doing the work of redressing all of the social ills of the past. Because I think that's, that's, that's what we need to do to deal with all of these um, issues that sort of intersect together to create this difficulty. So we can't really speak about breast cancer awareness without speaking about poverty, especially when you're speaking um, in relation to black women. Um, so, And then poverty ends up being another discussion in and of itself, but it affects the healthcare space. Um, and I think I, I, I am quite um, excited and um, looking forward to initiatives such as the National Health Insurance, for instance, mm. I hope that that initiative, uh, when it comes to breast cancer awareness and when it comes to a lot of other illnesses that um, South Africans are faced with, I hope that that policy can do a lot of good. I think it's a, it's definitely a step in the right direction in ensuring that there's equitable um, and free health care for everybody. To what extent do we also need to get informed more? You know, in other words, if I am blind and I need mm. to go for treatment and I am maybe in the middle of a treatment or even let's go back to breast cancer. I am in the middle of, of, of treatment in chemo, but it's not so much even about the money that it is inconvenient to get into a taxi into a bus Mm. into a train am i able to say to the hospital i actually need an ambulance to pick me Mm. up for these chemos to what extent do we need to insist on that so the 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 prevention the breast cancer prevention and control policy helps a little bit to deal with some of those issues and there are some clinics for example, that offer um, transport services to their patients. Mm. Um, but even with those, it still presents some challenges because they can't come and pick you up from your doorstep. Mm. It might still be that you need to travel an hour or two hours to a central spot where everybody meets, and then you all get transported to Kimberley or wherever mm. it is that you're all being taken to. Um, so those options are available. So I think women who are going through this um, difficulty must not be afraid to um, share some of the socioeconomic challenges with their healthcare workers, Mm. um, I'm sorry, with their healthcare providers, uh, so that they can come up with solutions for them. It might just be that there's already existing programs in that hospital, in that clinic. But I definitely also think as communities, we also need to support each other. So if you know that your neighbor is going through something like this, um, you know, financial support, um, packing lunches for them if they have to travel long distances mm. and all of that. I think those kinds of things can go a long way. Sure. 
Thank you so much for this. And also, just please pass our regards to Lusikho as well. It's a really wonderful work that you've put together both. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think it's a different perspective and it's given us a lot to think about. Thank you very much, Nombulele. I will. Thank you very much for having me. Nombulele Shange is a lecturer in the Department of Sociology at the University of Free State. And uh, we'll put the link up. And just really, it, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But what she did for us is to give us the perspective of what makes it so difficult for women to get treatment for breast cancer, women and men, by the way, and and why the, the, the issue of poverty is so central to why we cannot get it all right. So it's a piece that is worth looking at. We'll put a link up on our social media platforms.